Today's gospel reading comes from John 20, verses 19 through 31. If you are able, please stand for the reading of the gospel. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hands in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. That's okay. That was that was uh, another welcome to this second Sunday uh, or first Sunday after Easter. Um, well, as usual, Miss Jill did a stellar job, so I'm just going to say thank you and uh, goodbye. No. Um, most of you know my name's Darren Fielder. I'm the director of student ministries. Um, yes, thank you for the stand, somewhat standing ovation from the back there. Um, this morning, we are talking about a very familiar story that shines a light on a little-known disciple. In fact, um, we know very little about this disciple. In fact, we've very rarely used his real name. Uh, We've actually given him a nickname, and instead, uh, we call him Doubting Thomas. Um, But before we even get to that, Um, Let's actually back up and remember exactly where we are before we start talking about Doubting Thomas. It is, we have been through the resurrection. Mary has gone to the tomb to see the stone rolled away. She has run to get Peter and they have looked in the empty tomb, seen the grave close and believed. We don't know what it is they believed because it says they still didn't understand that Jesus had to rise from the dead, but they've gone back to where they were staying, and Mary stayed there at the tomb. 
Jesus appears to Mary and tells her to go tell his brothers. Mary accepts her commission and takes the good news of the resurrection back to the disciples, telling them, I have seen the Lord. For those of you who remember the Reader's Digest, that was the Reader's Digest version of what happened last week. So if you weren't here for Easter, that was, again, the very quick synopsis of it. But so upon receiving this very amazing news, what did they do? They went back into hiding. They had Mary come. Mary said, I've seen the Lord. He's risen. He's here. He's risen just like he said, and they've gone back into hiding. And they, I'm sorry, they go right back into hiding. So, again, we're going to go ahead and talk a little bit about Thomas. And again, Thomas is somebody, like I said, we know very little about. And when I say we know very little about him, what I mean is that Matthew, Mark, and Luke only mention him in lists. That's the only time they mention him, is when they're mentioning him in lists with the other disciples. And in John, he's only mentioned three times. So we're going to touch on a couple of those. One of the places that he's mentioned that I think tells us a lot about Thomas is actually at the Last Supper. And at the Last Supper, we find the story of the Last Supper, of course, in John 14. And in John 14, I'm going to focus on verses 3 through 6, and we know that Jesus knew this was, that his time was coming to an end. He knew this time was important, he was running out of time. He wanted to speak with his disciples, and this was an important time. And so the part that really pertains to Thomas is in verse 5, but I'm going to back up to verse 3 to give some context. And so starting in verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also and you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We're at the Last Supper, and Thomas breaks in with a question. He breaks into the conversation. Now, I don't know about you, but for me... I've always wondered if when Jesus said, you know the way to the place where I am going, I've always wondered if that's when this picture was posed for. Because I'm wondering if everybody's looking and saying, uh, what did he just say? I don't know where we're going. Do you know where we're going? Did he already tell you where we're going? I don't know where we're going. Do you know where we're going? Did he tell you where we're going? I don't know where we're going. The thing is that Thomas didn't mind stepping up and saying, Lord, we do not know where you're going, so how can we know the way? He didn't mind 
looking foolish or looking like he didn't know, looking like he didn't know the answer. He loved Jesus and wanted to be with him. He was inquisitive. He wanted to know the answers. A lot of you don't know this. Some of you do, but before taking this job, I was a teacher. I taught for years in Arizona, and then for the first three years I was back here, I taught. And to me, and I'm back up to this, but to me, this is probably the point that someone in the back of the class, if I was still teaching, somebody would say, is this going to be on a test? That's not the kind of question Thomas had. He really wanted to know. He really wanted to be with Jesus. Thomas was inquisitive and wasn't afraid to admit he didn't have all of the answers. The next time that I think we can look to see something more about Lazarus or about Thomas is in the story of Lazarus. And in the story of Lazarus, we know that when Lazarus, and, and by the way, the story of Lazarus takes place in John 11, and in John 11, Mary has already sent word that the one who you love is ill. That says a lot, that Mary can just say that the one who you love is ill, and that Jesus knows who that is. We know that Jesus loved Lazarus. We know that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And again, the fact that she could just say, the one that you love is ill. But of course, we know that Jesus waited two more days because he knew that it would be for God's glory. And of course, Lazarus dies before Jesus arrives. So we pick up at John 11, or John eleven seven. Then after he said to the disciple, after this he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, I don't know about you, but to me it sounds like the disciples are more worried about going back to Judea than they are about Lazarus dying. And it also sounds like Thomas is very dedicated to his Lord and Master. If he's saying, let us go with him 
and also die? That doesn't sound to me like somebody who is wavering in his faith. That sounds to me like somebody who wants to be with Jesus. And I flipped this a second ago, but it also reminds me of something Jesus says a few chapters later. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now we come to the text for today. It's the night of the resurrection. And like Jill just said a few minutes ago, the disciples, except for Thomas, are gathered behind a locked door, and probably by now, there are many reasons to be behind a locked door. You can understand how many of the disciples might have already been worried that Jesus would be upset with them for abandoning him or betraying him. The scripture says, for fear of the Jews, but we know that they are Jewish themselves, so we assume it's because of the leaders who were plotting Jesus' death. But now there's a new twist. Mary came this morning and told them the body is gone. So now people are saying the disciples have stolen the body or moved the body. And then, of course, Peter and John were at the empty tomb, and they believed, and they came back and presumably told all of the other disciples. How long do you think it took before Peter and John started saying, wait, I was at the tomb. Why didn't Jesus appear to me? Is he mad at me? When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. He says it twice, peace be with you. Now, if you're in a room, locked in a room, and as we would probably say, especially upstairs with the youth, if you're bouncing off the walls, freaking out because you don't know what's going on, and somebody just appears in the room, it's probably a really good idea to start out with peace be with you. I'm sure Jesus wasn't worried, but the reason he said it was because he wanted to calm them down right away. He wanted to let them know. He wasn't mad. He wasn't upset. He was with them. He was there for them. He was using the peace of shalom and letting them know that He was still their Lord and Savior. Nothing had changed. Now, as we move on, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And he disappears. Have you ever walked into a room where something just absolutely amazing 
has just happened a few minutes before and everybody's buzzing about it. Or walked into a room where somebody's told an amazing joke and they try and explain it to you and you just don't get it. Or I, I can't even begin to explain because what Thomas comes back to is obviously the most important thing that's ever happened. Because what did Thomas miss? Ah, not much. Jesus appeared to the disciples and showed them his hands, his feet, and his side. He commissioned them. He breathed the Holy Spirit on them. Only the most profound thing in history to this point ever no one had ever seen and then Thomas walks back into the room as you might imagine the disciples would be again bouncing off the walls he was just here he's risen we've seen him he, we saw the holes in his hands. We saw the hole in his side. We, he commissioned us to go out and continue his work. He, he's told us, he, he breathed the Holy Spirit on us. He, he... We know how inquisitive Thomas was. We know how much he loved Jesus. And all of those things that happened would be hard to understand, if not hard to believe. So can you blame him for saying, I got to see this myself? Besides, this is the guy who's not afraid to say, Jesus, I don't know where you're going. So, a week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Jesus came back again and went right to Thomas. He knew what Thomas needed to hear and see. He didn't rebuke or lecture. And then he went on to give a blessing for all who would come to believe without having the benefit of a flesh and blood encounter with Jesus. So now Thomas is standing in the presence of the resurrected living Jesus. He responded with what many would consider to be the climax of the Gospel of John. He said, my Lord and my God. For the first time in the Bible, Jesus is called God. He had been called Lord, teacher, 
son of David, even the son of God. But now Thomas, who had been called Doubter, gave the greatest witness of all. He proclaimed, My Lord and my God. We sometimes forget that for the first disciples, there was fear, confusion, and doubt. Before there was joy and understanding at what took place on that day. We all deal with doubt every day. A week ago, we celebrated the resurrection, and I bet doubt has already started to creep back into our lives. We may have had car trouble. Retirement plans may have had to been put on hold again. The schedules had so many things that we don't know where they'll all fit. Work is stressful. It's time to start taking more tests. Or time for those letters to start coming back hoping to be accepted. I wonder one week later, after Easter, if our life is different. Where are we living? Are we living in the freedom and joy of the resurrection or behind locked doors? How is our life different after Easter? Some days it's easier to lock the doors and avoid our lives altogether. Sometimes we just want to run away, hide, and not deal with the reality of our lives. But every time we shut the doors of our lives, we imprison ourselves for every person or event we lock out. Regardless of the reason, we lock ourselves in a little more. What are the closed places in your life? What keeps you behind locked doors? Maybe like the disciples, it's fear. Maybe it's questions, disbelief, or the conditions we place on our faith. Perhaps it's sorrow and loss. Perhaps the wounds are so deep it doesn't seem worth the risk to step outside. For others, it may be anger and resentment. But our doors are always locked from the inside. And Jesus is always entering those locked doors. He comes in unexpected, uninvited, sometimes unwanted. He steps into those closed lives over and over again. He offers peace and breathes new life into us. I'll ask Jacob to start making his way back up. Oh. No, I won't. He doesn't open the door for us, but he gives us all we need so that we can open the door to a new life and gives a new creation and a new way of being. And I believe I'll ask John to close us or to pray. Would you join me in prayer? Lucretia, you want to come forward and pray for us? Okay, sorry. We're moving some things around because Jacob's voice is not feeling too well this morning. So would you pray with me? Um, Kind Father, uh, 
we thank you for your goodness and your grace in our lives. Thank you that you are a God who comes back for us after the resurrection. Thank you that when, when we have disappointed you, when we have failed, you return and you give us your peace. That you love us and offer us your grace. And then restore us again to position as your friends and as your disciples. Would you come and be with us? Forgive us again and make us new. Give us hearts that desire to follow you and that want to worship you. We love you so much. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.